episode number 219 with Stephen Mike. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton. And I was hoping it was someone else, Steve, but it's you again. <laughs> Same shit, different day, huh? Same old shit, different pile, man. <laughs> How the hell Mike. are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Steve? Where are you? Uh, Vegas? Are you uh, back in California, finally helping your mates out? No, no, I'm still up in Idaho. I'm uh, visiting my uh, folks, a little uh, vacation I try to do every year to go up and uh, spend some time up in my folks' place up in Idaho, and uh, we've been uh, living the country life here for a while. Uh, No cell phone reception, uh, just uh, out in the sticks. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's been fun. If country life involves... If country life involves you having sex with a sheep or something, Steve, you can you can just a goat. A goat. We can move yeah. on. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> where, not that I know a damn thing about Idaho, but where in uh, where in Idaho? Uh, it's kind of up in the northern Panhandle. The nearest big town is Lewiston. I think we have about thirty-five listeners from Idaho, so they know uh, where I'm talking about. But everyone else probably doesn't. So. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> It's uh, up in the uh, up in the Panhandle, just on the border of uh, of Washington. Really, really pretty up here. My folks, they got a um, uh, they got a nice piece of land up here, and um, just out in the country, like we spent our time um, gardening. Here involves uh, falling trees, uh, so we uh, uh, there's some big pine trees growing up all around the property. They literally grow like weeds, and uh, so every year you got to cut a few of them down and, and uh, you know, or else eventually they're going to get blown over and fall on the house. Uh, so we cut down a few of them from uh, that were near my mom's garden. Um, now our garden next year will have a lot more, uh, a lot more sun and a lot less uh, pine needles. So that was kind of cool. I got to relive my glory days when I used to be on the hand crew fighting uh, brush fires. And um, you know, I, I'm certified to fall a tree, up to up to uh, 24 inches and uh so you know to use a chainsaw or do you just run fast and drive your skull into this tree i mean it's pretty, <laughs> pretty much the same thing <laughs> <laughs> no i use a saw there's there's a bit of skill to it it uh, you have to um uh you got to cut your uh, cut your wedge in a direction that you want the tree to fall but you kind of have to read the tree a little bit in that trees rarely grow like Christmas trees in that, you know, they're not uniform on all sides. So you kind of got to look at it, look at the wind, tell which way the wind is blowing, which way is heavy on the side of the tree, you know, and then adjust your wedge accordingly so that it falls in the correct direction. And uh, so that was kind of cool. I got to test my skill there a little bit because if I, I had a very narrow window where I had to drop these trees or my we were going to be rebuilding the garden fence. Uh, and, uh, so luckily I got them both right where we needed. And uh, then we limbed them up and um, my dad's going to make a, uh, a garage out of these trees that he's been collecting for, um, uh, for the last five years. And so we put those up and I don't know if he'll ever make it, but they're there if he does. And uh, so we even know how to cut down trees, Steve. There's just, there's every time I think I've discovered every, uh, every little, nook and cranny of your expertise there's something else you know how to do it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing it, 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 we had to learn it when i was on the hand crew you know because we'd go out on these forest fires and 
if you okay. didn't know how to fall a tree. I mean, you, you can seriously screw yourself up if you're not uh, careful, if you don't right. right direction, you know, or get out of the way. We call it an escape route. You know, as soon as the tree starts to go, you run off in a 45 direction because if this thing, we call it barber chairing, if this uh, thing comes down and, um, you know, sometimes if, if your cut is off a little bit, they can, they can start to fall and then literally like twist and jump. And, um, you know, it can be, it can be kind of hairy. Um, but, um, but it is, it, it's fun. It's fun. Hmm. How, uh, you might, I can't remember Steve, maybe we've had this conversation about Idaho before. I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't even know you were out there. How long have your parents had a place out there? This is kind of their retirement place. I mean, you grew up in California, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I lived here when I was about five until I was about maybe nine. So for like, I don't know, three or four years, something like that. And, um, and then, uh, but they bought it just, I think like a year before I was born. And then every summer when I was a kid, we'd come up here and we'd, it was our, <laughs> it was our annual family vacation every year, but, um, Child labor laws would probably uh, arrest my dad for what uh, what we were doing back then. He was paying us like ten cents an hour or something to work on the house. Uh, right. But uh, we'd uh, you know pour concrete and lay block and do framing and everything. He built this entire house. It's like forty five hundred square feet. It's, it's wow. Really impressive that um, what he's been able to do with this uh, with this place. It's um, yeah. I mean, it looks like it should be in a magazine. It's uh, very how many uh, how many how many acres? Five. So is what your your eventual retirement plan is probably like something in a warm climate near the beach, right? Or I, I'm assuming you'll have like nine homes, but will one of them be in Idaho or you like uh, it up there? Yeah, I think so. I, I uh, visualize myself having a place on the beach somewhere and then uh, one in Vegas and then uh, up here. Mm. And, um, it's really pretty, man. It's um, uh, You're definitely out in the sticks. I mean, you're half an hour from a gallon of milk you know, or from a gas station. <laughs> right. But, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, I mean, you can get a lot of bang for your buck out in places like this because, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to live so remote. So you can, you can get, um, you can get a lot more money or a lot more, uh, land for a lot less money, you know, probably at least a 20 minute drive. So you'll find a, a Vietnamese massage parlor. Oh, uh, probably closer to like four or five hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're having to cross state Trying lines. To get for the that. <laughs> um, I think you, you learn how to do all this, do lots of things kind of for your own pleasure. I was just, it just occurred to me though, is any of this, uh, I don't know if not competitive, but it, it make dad proud. Does he find this cool? I mean, your dad knows how to build a house. So you're like, Oh yeah, good. Congratulations. Guess, guess who can fly a plane or, you know what I mean? <laughs> You know, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of that. I, Batman I and baby Batman. You each, you each guys are just so uh, you know well rounded and know how to do stuff. I don't know. It, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe a part of it is. Uh, I guess a part of it is. I mean, he's he's always you enjoy learning. Really, what's yeah. that? You enjoy learning. I mean, learning new stuff. But I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it, it's like um, I really admire him as far as what he's just been a, I mean like he just decided that he wanted to build a house and so I mean he probably has half a library on those Home Depot books like you know advanced uh, electrical right. wiring for houses you know and he'd just devour the book and then he wired the house and then another one on plumbing and then another one on you know fill in the blank and 
you know, another, you know, one thing that I've really learned from him is visualization. He, um, he told me about a workbench that he was going to build. I remember I was a little kid. I was probably four or five years old. And I remember staring at this, uh, just flat piece of dirt that uh, we poured a bunch of concrete on. And he said, okay, Steve, this is where the shop is going to be. He, he likes, you know, working with metal and wood and stuff. And uh, sure. he's like all along here that I'm going to have a bunch of, uh, I'm going to have this big long workbench. It's going to be like 40 feet long. I'm like, okay. And then when we went back to California a few years later, he got this deal. This is probably where I get my, uh, my, what, what Fiscal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My, uh, my frugalness, right? He got this deal of this auction where he got all these, you know, those old uh, metal military desks that, uh, you know, they have like the metal drawers and they each weigh about, yep. you know, 400 pounds. And Well, anyways, he, he got them each for like five bucks a piece or something. He bought 12 of these things. And they sat on the side of our house in California for no shit, like 25 years. And when he finally moved up here, he took all those and he'd been telling me how he's going to have this big long workbench and he's going to make it out of these, um, out of these desks and they're going to be red and, and gray. And they just looked like these lime green, you know, military style, uh, you know, uh, desks and uh, all rusty and everything. And sure as shit, I came up after he was retired one year and he had this long workbench made out of those desks, custom made. I mean, he cut them apart, welded them up, and then painted them red and gray, just like he said he was going to do 25 years earlier. And they were exactly like he said they were going to be with a chop saw right in the middle. And I'm like, you know, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> like, he uh, he just has this ability right. to see things in his mind before, uh, before he makes them. And then he does. And, uh, yeah, he's very, very crafty and very – um, you know, he never, he can take on a job that, um, you know, would, would normally take uh, a crew of four or five guys to do. And he'll just, it'll take him, you know, four times as long to do it, but he'll somehow engineer something so that, so that he can do it himself. Um, for example, he, he didn't want to hire a crew to come in and, and do the drywall for him. I mean, he, he did the drywall in this place. It must've taken him like, uh, probably a year. Um, and, and it's two story with a vaulted ceiling. I mean, so some of the shit is like 25 feet in the air and he did all the drywall up there by himself when he's in his sixties. And the way he did it was he made these two slides. So like these long, um, uh, rails, I guess is the way to put it with these little notches cut in them and kind of like these little swivel, um, uh, catches on either side of the slide. So he was able to push a uh, four by eight sheet of plywood up, you know, 25 feet in the air, just up these slides and a foot at a time. So each of these little catches would, you know, it'd slide out and then the catch would catch the bottom of the, uh, of the drywall. And then he would push it up to the next notch and then push it up to the next notch and then get on a ladder all the way up there and screw a couple corners in. And then <laughs> he did the whole place like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, mean, so he's me, a, he's I would have gone down to Home Depot and hired a few guys and, and you know, right. been done in a week and a half. Uh, so he's a, so he's, a, he's a meth addict, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling like Superman as he, as he dangerously dangles over the... Oh, man. So, some, so of the some of this stuff is does. not even... It's some of the stuff. It sounds like this is something. It's not even like stuff that you read in a Home Depot book. It's just you know coming up with your own shit. He enjoys. 
Yeah, he does. You know, like uh, he's got this uh, big, long extension ladder that's just kind of awkward to put anywhere in the shop. So he spent a few days and and came up with this kind of pulley system where he he puts the uh, tip of the ladder up in, in one end of it. And then he's got this hook system that comes down on the other end and grabs the bottom of the ladder. And then he pulls the pulley on one side. And now the ladder is, you know, 15 feet up in the air, up in the ceiling. So it's not taking up any space. But, you know, it's it's really ingenious. But, uh, you know, personally, I would have just leaned it up against the wall. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> so. It's pretty good. You know, there's another Home Depot book I bet he got. How to, how to mind fuck a child into digging ditches for 10 cents an hour. <laughs> That's a pro- that, that's the most impressive thing. Oh, Dad, man. we're having fun. Yes. I remember. Like, I can't be walk up. because I'm having serious uh, sciatic pain here at the age of eleven. <laughs> we had when we were roofing this place. I, I was probably you know eleven years old, and my brother was you know six or seven, and we're up on this thing, you know, laying a tin roof on on top of it. I mean, if you fall, you're dead. And uh, no safety lines or anything. <laughs> just like, oh my god! But he taught me work ethic. That's for damn sure. It's uh... <laughs> what a hive of lunacy that you've Barton the Barton clan. I mean, oh, it's, pretty, it's pretty funny. So you know how to chop. You're an expert at chopping down trees. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, your three house. You know, I was actually thinking about this the other day, Steve. I don't know. Would your your retirement plan? You still think you can retire in like seven or eight years? Is that the? It's uh, ten. More than ten years. Yeah. Right around what I. What are you like? Thirty nine now. I'm th- I'll be forty here in another couple weeks. How much do you think at fifty will your overall net worth be? Let's assume you know your average. This doesn't include winning a Powerball or dumping it all in some stupid investment. Obviously, you're not going to do so. I'm sure you have a number in your mind. I'm just curious. Just uh, this is self pity here, you know. But, uh, but because I, I'm worth absolutely nothing here, but uh, you know, I'm I'm enjoying I life right now. I think um, my goal is like 1.5. Um, okay. I don't know if that's realistic, but that's 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 what I'm going for. You have 1.5 plus. You'll still have a, a steady income from hopefully you know your investments, obviously, and from your your pension. Yeah. 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 So that's my goal. I don't, I don't okay, know if that's, that's really, I mean, that's sometimes interesting. I had, that's interesting because I just tried to come up with a number in my mind of what you thought you had or what you, because I figured it was something specific and I was thinking 3 million. That really would be nice. That would be nice, <laughs> but that's probably about double of what it would really realistically be. Right. Uh, it's not like your your Vegas condo is going to be worth a million and a half in 10 years or anything. I did not unless Jesus Christ himself comes down and touches those things. No, I don't think right. so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got some work to do, Steve. You got another goal there. Yeah. 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 But it's been fun. I got to play fireman a little bit. We, uh, um, we burned up, um, there's always a burn pile uh, up here. Everyone has one every year from clearing brush and trees and stuff and, and tree, tree clippings and all that. And, you know, I'll put a, a video up on uh, YouTube. It was a, it was a pretty Im- impressive burn. It was, uh, <laughs> right. Well, it was a good one. I'm feeling a little guilty though. I'm up here. Uh, I was going to uh, say, I was going to bring that up. Uh, I know Paul what you're going to talk Bunyan about. And, and meanwhile, California is just on fire. Um, 
So I go back in two days and I know I'm going to just be living at the station. So that's, right. uh, I'll be putting in my time. Crazy ass stuff, Steve. I mean, it's just, uh, this is the new reality here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's pretty nuts. It, um, they're just popping off all over the place that uh, we got guys out and everything. And I know once I get back, it'll be 120 hours on 24 hours off, 120 hours on 24 off. It's going to be nuts. Wow. But, yeah. So what's the, uh, there's not any fires actually in Ventura right now. Are there, or? in Ventura County, there is, uh, there's one that just popped up today in, uh, Simi Valley. Okay. Um, which is, um, well, I'm trying to think. If you know Ventura County, it's kind of on the east end of, uh, northeast end, I guess, of uh, Ventura County. Um, that one popped off. And right now we have a condition that usually comes around every year, and it's called the Santa Ana winds. And there are yep. these horrific winds that just blow, you know, probably 35 not, or maybe 40 miles an hour, uh, 40 to 50 miles an hour. Um, and uh, they, uh, it's pretty nuts. But, um, yeah, so we'll see. It's going to be pretty crazy. Isn't it? Um, I don't want it to lead into, I, I've, I've read a few books on like, you know, I like books about catastrophe, of course, Steve, about all the, you know, some books that have some, I would, well, I would say truthful or tough minded, but, uh, some dark views of where we're going with the environment. And I don't know if it's true of the California wildfires, but like some of these places like Houston, I like, why are they rebuilding from a flood? Like, they're going to have another massive one every few years, pretty much because of global warming. I think, um, isn't it kind of the same thing with some of these these wildfires? Aren't the fires just going to get worse? Isn't it time just to stop building homes in certain parts of the state because they're too dry and dangerous? You know, there's a few areas that just historically burn every you know eight to twelve years, and they just rage through there, and it's the kind of thing where. 30% of the people lose their homes. There's very specific canyons that I'm thinking of in Malibu. And uh, yeah. And you know, I mean, I don't know that I've been around long enough or been a fireman enough to, to see that it, but I, I, you know, even the short time that I've been doing this two decades, it, it feels like the fires are more intense now. It mm -hmm. feels like the weather is getting drier and hotter and uh and they're just burning more intensely well it is i mean yeah you know i think it is it's i, I, just, I think uh, it is it's not just the barton intuition there yeah it's it's reality um yeah it uh you know I, I, when uh when we went down to um um guatemala a few few months ago with my buddy they were talking about uh these lakes there are rising inland and you can see <laughs> where, you know, stuff used to be. And now there's, uh, you know, people built too close to the uh, shoreline and uh, now their houses are underwater. And right. it's like, I think that's going to be kind of the new norm. I think the, uh, uh, with the ice caps melting and everything, it's, it's that's going to be commonplace. People are going to have to go more inland. Yeah. I mean, I'm not enough expert to talk about it. I, I do remember what, a few years ago, you know, just like casually on the news is like a piece of a, uh, an iceberg the size of Delaware broke off today. Wow. I mean, that's, a, that's a big chunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. So, and, and we've seen all this. The earth has only warmed about one degree. And a lot of this climate scientists say if we don't cut carbon emissions, it could be like three, four, five degrees by the end of the century. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
so things could be like exponentially worse. I know this what this one book was going through all the different scenarios over. And, uh, oh, that was the one like, you tweeted about. Like maybe this isn't the greatest book to read like, right. on the beach. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, it was some of fascinating stuff. It's basically like talking about how, uh, yeah, certain basically certain parts just become un- uninhabitable. You, you know, know what I mean? um, Stephen Hawking talked about that. You know, the uh, the the physicist that. Um, I think he died about a year or so ago. He's, he's the guy in the wheelchair that talks sure. with the, uh, yeah. Yeah. With the, um, you know, mechanical voice. Um, he, um, he said his biggest um, concern for the human race going, going forward in the next century is um, uh, climate change and that, uh, you know, we're unable to, to stop it. And uh, you know, the use of plastics and, and, um, it's yeah it's already like yeah this like this book was saying uh, i'm sorry steve let me finish let, let me let you finish on your stephen hawking uh, observation oh, he, he was saying that uh you know he's he he believes that there's going to be a huge um uh, catastrophe that will wipe out most of the human race in the next thousand years he says it's probably going to be a nuclear war he said if it's not that though then it'll be climate change and um you know, uh, it'll poison the oceans, um, you know, poison food supply. And I mean, when you think about it, how much trash is one person producing a year and that's just getting buried or like, you know, thrown in the ocean? Well, they've already and, got like uh, certain parts, a lot of sea animals, like plastic is like, like a, a significant part of their diet. Yeah. Cause you know what I mean? It's just, um, yeah, Steve, I don't know. This is a, uh, I wish I knew, uh, like I said, I, I hesitate to get into it because I'm just repeating stuff that I, I read recently and don't know too intimately. But one thing was pretty interesting. Another book I read, um, I'm trying to remember the name of this, about this as well. Basically, not really saying Darwinism is bunk, but this whole idea of like the evolution of species, it's kind of like, um, Basically, there's been these bit like you know the dinosaurs going. All the dinosaurs disappeared over like some pe- the estimates are anywhere between like five and a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a gradual. They couldn't adjust to this or that. You know there was. I mean now it's pretty much accepted proof that there was a uh, giant uh, gladiator uh, gladiator meteor which hit you know lifted up all the dust and everything and they had you know yeah. up the sun and ice age and all that and other kind of stuff yeah the history, yeah. there's basically been these cataclysmic events which um it, it's dumb luck almost if you survive or not yeah you know? <laughs> so a lot of these things are like violent and quick and um and basically you know, this one woman's book um was saying we've entered in like I think that the name of the book is like the sixth or the fifth extinction. Like the last one was the dinosaurs. And uh, basically the global warming is, is pretty much comparable to a meteor hitting the earth. Yeah. In terms of how radically it it changes things. And um, how you talk global warming, people get angry pretty fast, Steve. I've discovered this. <laughs> because that's a, that's a card, you know, that's a, that's a, there's, you know, the, the Trump, every, every time there's like a cold weekend, Trump's like, what happened to global warming? Well, idiot, actually, <laughs> yes. it's dope. Just because it's a cold winter in Chicago doesn't mean the, you know, the, the ice caps aren't melting. But yeah, basically this woman said like as much, at least 50% of life on um, 
or like and then kind of going to the other book like the polar bears are finished even if we stopped totally took got rid of carbon emissions like the earth is already warming enough that the polar ice caps are going kind yeah. of thing so and there's a lot of like large land animals which only like exist in zoos and nature preserves and all that kind of stuff but uh, yeah the human race man in terms of like the other yeah, there's another book got into some of these, like a lot of these like crises we see with the news, like people don't understand that it's kind of these wars can be environmental, like these, some civil war in Africa can actually be, they're fighting over water, like the last water source. Yeah. You know what I mean? The river's, the river's running low and there ain't enough water for everyone and you know, that, that kind of thing. So that's going to be, uh, I don't know how to get into this, but anyways, in the, um, you're fighting fires. You're doing your part, Steve. Uh, I guess it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving quite a carbon footprint, though. I still drive my car every day. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I still use plastics. What? What? You know, I've always thought that. Uh, you know, and and you look at it like some of the advances we're trying to do in the United States are just nothing compared to what really needs to be done. I mean, like when I travel to these other countries. It's, I mean, very often uh, when you go to third world countries, you can't even drink the water. So you have yeah. to buy bottled water. So you have people every day that go to the store and buy plastic water bottles, drink it once and throw it away. And that's how they, that's their, that's their water. And these are entire right. countries that are doing this. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's bad. Um, which brings up, you know, another point this guy was, was bringing up in his book, which is kind of interesting, is like a lot of we talk about these like political refugees. This is huge now, of course, coming from south in this country and into Europe from like Syria and that area. And a lot, it's going to be like a hundred times worse or more dramatic because when you get just uninhabitable areas, when you just don't have drinking water. So if, there's already a lot of acrimony about our border right now. I mean, if you can imagine. 100 million people from South Latin America coming up there because the, uh, the, the Amazons are burning and you know what I mean? you can't breathe yeah. or find water down there kind of shit. Um, yeah, Steve, I don't, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting stuff. It's just, this is my idea of learning. I didn't know anything about this. You like doing actual physical stuff. Occasionally I, you know, I, I start find a subject and start reading about it. And, um, funny thing after yeah. reading the, I immediately got a couple looked for novels that were kind of about dystopian novels about like an environmental, you know, catastrophe. And I'm reading one, which is pretty fascinating about this guy who's a uh, disaster specialist or something like that. And he, he's saying there's probably everyone's ignoring him. Then of course there's a massive flood, which pretty much just destroys New York city. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's, <laughs> Him and this him and this woman are riding a canoe up Fifth Avenue, trying to get to land. And it's it's half comedy, but it is kind of. Oh, it's a fiction. Okay. Yeah, the, oh, it's fiction, but the writing is so good. It's like, oh, yeah, this is gonna, you know, this, this sounds plausible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh... But the fires right now. I mean, have you ever? Uh, I mean, have you ever? Uh, do you have any friends who've actually died fighting a fire? I'm sure I have. Um... Or, you know, maybe had, not in your I've actual... I've had a lot of friends that have died on the job. Uh, I'm trying to you, think of any been, I'm sure you've been to a couple, uh, at least a couple funerals, I mean, of like, you know, neighboring of guys who've died on the job kind of stuff. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. We have those all the time. Um, 
that are fire jumpers knew that died in a fire no we've had a few guys like the last friend that i had died he um he died going to uh uh do you remember two years ago during the thomas fire he died um uh, i used to work with him on the hand crew uh, ryan osler and uh he died in a um in a wreck going to a fire he was um in the water tenor um basically like a big uh truck you know filled with three thousand gallons of water in in you use it in rural places where you don't have a uh, uh a fire hydrant and it uh tipped over on a turn and crushed and killed him yes it was uh, uh another another friend i had um um that one was really sad had, uh, he uh, had a um uh, brain aneurysm uh, he was 48 years old I think um, and um, they figured it was stress related to uh, to the job uh, so they they called it a line of duty death um, as far as well wow, that's fire, uh, but uh, it just in terms of those calls though Jesus the that's people really who are calls. The people who are, it's a whole different, I don't know if you can explain. There's obviously there's, you're part of a city or town fire department. Then there's people who are the forestry service or whatever work for the state. Those are the, the fire. Those are the ones who will be on the front line. Most typically during like these conflagrations that are, that we're watching right now or. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you've got the, the federal um, forest service. Okay. Uh, so these are, you know, like a federal agency that responds to these wildland fires. Then each state has their own uh, wildland fire department as well. The one that uh, for California, I used to work for them. They're called uh, uh, CDF. A actually, they're not called CDF anymore. They're called Cal Fire. Uh, and that's basically a state uh, uh, fire department. And then you have each individual county or city usually has their own fire department. Um, if it's in a, you know, busy city like, like Oxnard, where I work, um, what we'll do when these wildfires happen is, uh, we'll send out, we have eight stations and we'll basically send out probably three stations worth of guys to go fight these wildland fires. And then everyone else, you know, we can't just leave the station vacant. Sure. Uh, so we'll pull up another reserve engine, like kind of a backup engine into that station and then as long as those guys are gone you know for three weeks or a month and a half or whatever it is uh everyone else is filling their spot okay which is what i'll do when i get back um you know those guys are going to be out on the fires and then uh i'll basically just be living at work um covering them while they're gone now because people still get garage fires and they still have heart attacks and stuff well right <laughs> they don't care that the wildland fire is going on they still right. have strokes and everything but basically so, uh anyone try uh you know trained or professional is, is kind of rushing to the front lines here they can as many as people as they can are yes heading heading right towards the worst fires for what from the towns and the cities not just the the state yeah wherever the fire is basically you can kind of think of it as like if you just look at california and let's say there's a uh there's a huge fire in um, um, in Southern California right now. Well, they'll start to draw a whole bunch of people from Northern California, maybe even Nevada and Arizona, to uh, to fight these uh, the neighboring states to fight. You know, bring in more resources into Southern California, and then so then you draw and you thin out the uh, resources in other areas. 
Well, now all of a sudden you get a fire that pops off in Northern California, but they just sent a third of their resources down to Southern California. So now you got to draw in resources from neighboring states to go cover that one. It, um, and you can get spread thin pretty quick at, um, you know, because it, it takes a lot of, um, um, you know, time and, um, you know, manpower. And, uh, I mean, just getting up to Northern California, well, it's an eight hour drive, but you got to get a team together. Um, you know, you got to get, uh, we call them strike teams. So we'll get uh, five engines at a time with four guys on each engine. So that's 20 dudes plus five pieces of equipment and they got to have one leader. Uh, so that's a battalion chief. And then they all go up there and they drive up there and they go to the base camp and then they get an assignment. They're like, okay, your, your assignment is to protect this hillside of 50 homes and you have 21 guys and five pieces of equipment. So you got to triage it and which, which homes are savable. You know, this guy has right. a, a, a nice green manicured lawn that looks like a golf course. And then his home's right in the middle of it. That one's savable. The one that, uh, you know, is, uh, in the middle of the forest with a bunch of trees around it and stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe bad housekeeping and, and, uh, a big wooden deck right out front with a whole bunch of lawn furniture. That one you could spend all day trying to prep and you only have 20 minutes, uh, before the fire gets there. You right. put You put your energy where you could, where you can save the homes. Yeah. I wonder if there's, there's probably a few contentious moments where, wait, why are you saving my neighbor's home? Just grab the photo album and get the hell out of here, honey. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, I'll never forget one when I was, uh, when I was new, I was probably 19 or 20 years old and I was working up in Northern California, uh, for, uh, for that department I was talking about, uh, CDF, the Cal fire. And, uh, this lady, this older lady, she would just not leave her home. We're like, ma'am, you gotta go. The fire's coming. She's like, I'm not leaving. I've lived here for 80 years and I ain't going. And we're like, if you stay, you're going to die. And, uh, she's all, I ain't going. We're like, okay, we can stand here and argue with her for, for, you know, the next 10 minutes or we can, you know, maybe save three other uh, neighbors. And we right. went door to door and we came back and the house was nothing but a pile of ashes and, and she went with it. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, it was, uh, drop in some loudspeakers through a window next time with me talking about bad beats. That'll send her running. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're telling a story about a poor woman dying here. I just uh, so so yeah, it's interesting how you you know you have a certain number of trucks. It's pretty much just uh, you know like the U.S. Navy heading off to the Battle of Midway. You got you got your battle carrier, you got two carriers and one destroyer and one you know you got to yeah you got to yeah. you got to diversify your 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 strike force there. You know what I mean? You can't just have one. Yeah, we just don't have enough. You need your I mean, armor like, and your infantry and your you know your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does help during the fire season we hire, uh, or the state will, they'll hire what they call seasonal crews. Uh, you know, so there'll be kids, uh, like I used to do before I got picked up full time is you just work the fire season. And so you get, you know, you, you increase your staffing by 30 or 40% during the time when you're most likely to get these brush fires and when they're going to be the most intense, like this time of the year. And, uh, so that helps, but it's still, I mean, you know, taxes only go so far and you, <laughs> each, each piece of equipment that we're driving on is three quarters of a million dollars. They're not cheap. Sure. Uh, so this, well, what, what, what do you want? <laughs> do, you, do you want, do you want cheaper taxes or do you want uh, more, more fire engines? What, uh, take your pick. Yeah. But like I said, it's just, uh, 
Uh, yeah, I just think it's going to get worse. The wind's probably a little stronger each year. The heat, a little drier, a little more heat, so, you know, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. You're doing your part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? How's uh, how's cards going? I saw a uh, tweet recently. You made uh, several grand in a few days. Uh, yeah, it was a couple of weekends ago I had. I, you know, I had a rough little stretch here. I'll give you a... Sorry, Steve, I'm going to give you a bad beat story, as I was saying, but just today was pretty, was pretty f- funny how it happened. Twice I flopped two pair and ran into a set. Mm. So I, was, I lost two big pots that. One of them was a bomb pot. You know what those are? Everybody puts in money ahead of time, and you don't play till the flop. There's yeah, no yeah. yeah. How, how big is the bomb pot? What, what does everyone put in? It was 25 bucks each. Okay. So I, I had king five, king jack five, and uh, I don't know if it's probably over um, – I started off the day nice and I had my stack up to like over 2000. Then I lost 1100 of the pop. The other guy had pocket jacks, but there's also a flush draw out there. I don't know. I, I mean, somebody bet like 150. I made it 600. And then a guy shot for 1100. I wasn't going to fold just, but he, I mean, he like always has a set, which of course I block, but, or, or two pair. And then, uh, yeah, the same thing. Actually, Jason stacked me. He cut off versus button. I opened the cutoff. Ace 10 suited. He three bet from the button. Um, I called, uh, ace, queen, 10, two hearts. I checked shove. I just think, I thought I was being a nice guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you you can let this one go, Jason. I don't want to stack you. <laughs> yeah. He had, he had Queens or, you know, I was trying to get him a thing, rep a, uh, maybe rep a flush draw. And he calls me with ace king there, but uh, yeah, I don't really like how I played either of those hands. I could have simply, uh, been in kind of evaluate mode. You know, check call, but I don't know. Two pairs of good hands, Steve. Yeah. Both of them had flush draws out there too, you know, so kind of yeah. sucks. Um, Do you and Jason still have your um, uh, your uh, fat loss bet uh, going? Yeah, well, Jason gave up a while ago. Oh, he did? Okay. So he was just kind of anti-sweating me, hopefully, that I gave up, and I finally kind of did. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, overall, I started the weight loss bet at like 232 pounds, and I'm probably down to like 213. So, I mean, I guess it, I've lost 20 pounds in three months or whatever it's been. Okay. But, but I'm go. not going to meet the uh, – which sucks because I'm, you know, financially struggling. I could have gotten 1,000 from Jason, and now I have to pay another guy who I uh, bet 500 rather than, you know. So, yeah, it's just stupid, but, you know, what? what can I say? When you're – when you're fighting and scrapping and not, yeah, just not, not quite nearly as motivated this time for whatever. Yeah. Reason. Okay. Right on. Right on. Um, what else did I want to take about Steve? You're too good here, man. The show's becoming too popular. I got some decisions to make. Do you? But, uh, this isn't good for me that people at oceans now were a little more often. Now I hear people talking about this show and saying something. Really? We're up and coming. Well, or have I we arrived? Want, I do not want this. This is not good for me. I don't, it's bad you know, for I'm business. Well, I'm bad in certain ways too. I don't, I mean, Steve, this is pretty, uh, I mean, sometimes it's a shtick here, but uh, you're getting a pretty good, I'm kind of an open book here. I'm telling a lot about myself. I don't really, it's kind of, I'm just sharing it into an open mic and air here. People I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't really care, but I, you know, I'm getting into my love addiction and my gambling addiction. And, you know, I kind of, I'm sort of, I, I don't know. I think I got a shtick going more at, at, at the casino or 
yeah, people know about all my shit, but I don't know. It's just even more, it's uncomfortable now. A couple people, there was a tournament this week, a couple LA guys mentioned it. And this is why I was thinking, I mean, um, you know, Jason told, I, I'm not sure if this has any, anything to do with it, but I said, Jason, you cannot tell anybody there. Yeah. Doing the show. I know that's, that might kill you, but um, he probably hasn't, but I don't know if other people have. Uh, my friend Josh really wants to be on now. We talk okay. Yeah. You texted me. I told you about him. He found out about recently. He's like, Oh man, this is awesome. I've listened to 70% of the shows just in the last year. <laughs> so um, I think he seems mentioned in a couple, a lot of hands. He's a, He's affectionately referred to as the lunatic at least a few times, but he, I don't know if he'd really, uh, but he's interesting. But um, yeah, Josh would be a really good interview and he would want everyone to hear it for sure. So that would be another level of, so I've got, I've got to, I was, I might have to tell my, tell my friend Josh, no, um, but it might be too late for me here. Like if this is like, this is something I'm feeling genuinely anxiety about, you know what I mean? Just some of the things I talk about, not that it's, I, I do a little bit too. I felt a little bit of uh, when, when you're asking me about uh, my net worth and stuff and I'm like, maybe, maybe this is something I should be sharing on the show. I don't know. It, uh, right. a part of me is kind of like, I don't want to, um, uh, I don't want to be um, untruthful or anything. But then another part of me is like, I think that's one of the things that makes us successful is that, uh, you know, we are kind of, uh, um, you know, true to who we are when we, when we talk on you. Right. Um, yeah, but like, I, you know, there's like, I don't know. I got it. Like I said, I got some decisions to make. I either have to appear here and just come on and talk about hands, Steve, <laughs> and not really talk about my personal life or my, certainly my son or, you know what I mean? If other people start, you know, um, that's hard for me to do. Yeah. It's hard for me too. Um, there's the option of just, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to like really say this is an option, but I'm just, I'm just, I, I just have to stop doing it. You know what I mean? Or just come and be not really like a pseudo co-host, but just come on like every three or four months or something. And the other one is I just have to stop going to oceans um, where I do not want to discuss this show at all because of that people are talking about. It. And that's not really a great option either. Cause it's, that's the, cause you know, that's, you know, we've discussed this a million times right up the goddamn street from me. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, Steve, I got something's going to be changing here. Um, I think because like I said, I've had a few people, uh, I mean, of course saying it, but, um, I don't think I say anything disrespectfully about the people there. That's not really the major issue i think although my as my funny my, the one buddy chris i just uh, what hand was it the hand where i actually folded a a set fives mm -hmm. i don't know if you remember this is a, a little while ago and i'm like describing how he's drunk and crazy and stuff but i just can't afford to lose a fucking six thousand dollar pot and you know yeah. da, da, da. i don't i'd have to go back and listen to how i described it. he's like man you really insulted me my feelings were hurt there <laughs> and i i mean uh i'm like well chris you were drunk <laughs> you, are, you are raising blind 100 200 every hand i mean i don't you know I, i'd have to listen to it i don't i think at one point i said well he's actually a winning good player he just he just loves the action and loves driving the action and in certain spots where he doesn't need to certainly but uh yeah yeah so i don't know steve i'm having a little bit of a crisis here with this this show moral here. dilemma 
Well, uh, not moral. I guess just, moral isn't the right word. Yeah, it's just it's just personal. I mean, I got my own happiness. If this if the doing this show might if it affect if it's a negative impact on my my overall happiness. That's the so far obviously it has not been at any point. But uh, I either need to start censoring myself, which you know is just not my nature. Um, it's not uh, mine either. It's not mine either. I'm such, a, I'm such a fucking open book. <laughs> Where my emotions on my sleeve. Right. Well, I think that's probably um, our our poker analysis. Steve is not real high level here. I got. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were two of the greatest here. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. Something something coming on the line here. Just like you know, letting you uh, letting you know there might be. Uh, yeah, I might be either less frequently available or just driving the conversation into like talking about environmental policy okay. <laughs> or what, what a world would be like much. without Trump and with yeah, Andrew Yang. <laughs> I don't know how much, uh, how enjoyable that will, uh, that will be for some people, but, um, we'll see. We'll stick with the course here. I got a friend. I kind of already told my friend Josh, he's going to be on here and I might have to be like, eh, you know, I just, I can't do it, man. I can't have another person from that. We had Alex, of course, uh, Vanosa, but he was, he's the same situation as me. He didn't want, you know, I think his buddies in San Francisco listened and he, he shared it with a few people for sure. Um, yeah. But he didn't want anyone from Oceanside or from the, from this area, any of the poker players or uh, local listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just saying, throwing out there, throwing that out there, Steve. Okay. No problem. No we'll problem. Have to see. There might be, uh, I'm going to, we'll see if I can make some I'll talk about myself. Uh, I might have to, yeah, I just, I, whatever. I've just, I've, I've ex, I'll have to think about this, but um, I don't know. You want me to do a couple quick hands, Steve? Yeah, we could. Uh, let's take a quick break and then uh, we'll come back for a hand. Okay. I'd like to take a second here and thank our sponsors, Elliot Rowe. Yes, that soft-spoken English linguist, your favorite poker hypnosis coach, and mine. Listen to one of his MP3s before you play for the exact type of game you're about to play. You'll get in the right mindset. You'll be able to focus on poker, on the game, whether it's a sit and go, whether it's a tournament, online, cash, live, how, whatever your game is, he's got an MP3 for all of them. Check him out. Uh, use the code HUPOKER. Score yourself a discount. Just click on the link in the show notes and get your free seven-minute tilt buster. Also like to thank Alexander Fitzgerald. He is sponsoring us with his class Master Tournament Poker in one class. It's a bold statement, but it's actually true. If you go through his program and you do exactly what he says, you memorize the charts, you memorize everything that's in there, uh, which isn't uh, too difficult, especially the way he explains it. Um, memorize those charts, know for what big blind stacks you're going to be shoving and reshoving, and uh, take his advice. It'll propel you to the top 5%, which is uh, one out of 20 guys makes money at this game, and you'll be one of them. Master Tournament Poker in one class. Use the code HUPOKER and you will score yourself a discount, just like Elliot Rowe. With Alex's program, you'll get 75% off. Master Tournament Poker in one class. Now, without further ado, let's get into some strat. 
Okay, a uh, little bit of strat here. I did uh, I did go and play uh, cards uh, yesterday at uh, my mom's uh, local uh, card room. It's, okay, uh, I, I meant to ask that if there's a. Yeah, there's a little club. Um, it's the Eagles. It's a. It's kind of like a charity event, you know. I think the biggest events they'll have are maybe a hundred dollars, and uh, the smallest ones are like what we had yesterday. It was a twenty-three dollar buy-in. Uh, $3 goes to the charity, 20 goes to the prize pool. And then every rebuy is $20 and there's unlimited rebuys for the first hour. So it's just, it's nuts for, uh, for the first, um, um, you know, hour. And it's the kind of thing where I'm like, I, there's gotta be a little bit of strategy and like, you know, I know that when you get a whole bunch of limps and then you're on, the button with queen jack suited it's like oh this is a fist pump three bet we've all got 50 big blinds and i think if i shove here everyone is you know someone's gonna snap me off with like ace deuce off suit uh if i three bet everyone is calling so i i don't know what do you do in a spot like that you know what i mean like do you three bet anyways and and still get called by king five suited and then and ace deuce off suit and pocket deuces and um yeah this is something i haven't i in fact it's kind of pretty recently i've looked i was looking at my stats and i have played over the last three years 800 hours or so of two three okay um at only like 11 bucks an hour i mean hmm. it's a big enough sample where i mean i know there's guys who play that game who make 35 40 bucks an hour so wow. i think a lot of times i'm in kind of don't give a fuck mode because a lot of those are like 30 minute sessions waiting for a yeah. Uh, so, but I think there's a lot more limping and just calling two bets. Um, probably is the optimal way to play there. Okay. And just seeing flops and not paying people off and um, just getting max value because people aren't folding. But yeah, I discovered like the same thing. Um, I mean, again, it's table dependent, but yeah, it's like they don't even care about the the bet sizing almost. No, no, they're just all, yeah. I mean, like, you know, if the levels are one and 200 and you get three limps and so you got um, uh, 900 in the pot and if you make it, you know, 1800 or if you make it 3K, they're still calling. Like it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't matter. They just, so. Well, yeah, which of course is, um, can be very profitable for you, uh, that not folding thing, but your hand is less, the range is the uh, equity ones closer to pre-flop than post where, you know, you're going to probably be able to arrange them better and know if you want the money to go on later streets where you know if you're, you're good or not, essentially. Yeah. yeah. It depends how, yeah, how deep the game is. How, how, I'm sorry. What was the, what was the buy-in and the level for this, for this game? Oh, it was a tournament, uh, 20 oh this was a tournament i'm sorry yeah, yeah it was 23 dollar buy-in and then uh just a shit ton of rebuys i mean it, it was it was to the point like you know before um the uh and it's always like that at this card club they tighten up a little bit when they get like the 40 dollar the 60 dollar tournaments but the 20 dollar tournaments are just freaking nuts it's like a it's like a one dollar 50 cent tournament online and uh um, well, they probably have 10 or 15 minute levels. So you have to just, you know, okay, I got a pair. 
they, they, they got 20 minute levels. So within, within like, within like 90 minutes, half the field's gone. Probably yes. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like, it's a four and a half, five hour tournament. It's yeah. Like four. Yeah. yeah maybe four and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, sorry. I was talking about like low stake cash games, um, you know, under 200 bigs, you know, 100, 150 bigs, whatever you play. So that's, you know, if I'm going to put hours in there, I, you know, I got to think a lot about ranges and uh, thinking is yeah. not my, not my great passion, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> no. But um, I got a couple hands I thought were interesting. Okay, cool. I am logging a lot of hands and talking to, with them about a couple buddies. Um, still not, Still not a real student of the game, Steve. Uh, this game is not at Oceans, another casino. It's a 5-5 game. And I am... Where am I here? Um, okay, this is strange. Oh, this I thought would be interesting to... Um, okay, I'm sorry. Let, what? Okay, yeah. Sorry, Steve. I'm looking at two different hands and getting confused. Which one? I have $1,600, and I am UTG, um, third, third to the first two players fold, UTG, UTG2. And I have uh, 10-9 of clubs. Okay, so you're UTG3? Yeah. Okay. And um, I can't really do it. Oh, that's right. This is what you can button straddle here. So there was a button straddle for ten dollars. Okay. Um. So I open, and the the blinds act before the button. Some places, I guess, the button straddle like the small blind acts first. Here it's UTG. Okay. So, anyways, it folds to me. I bet um, forty. Okay. And. The hijack um, calls the hijack the cutoff and the button. I'll call. Or the hijack and the the cutoff call and the blinds fold and then the button calls. Okay, all right. So one hundred and sixty plus uh, ten. Um, one one seventy in the pot. Yep. Okay. And the flop is Jack nine three rainbow with one club. One spade, one heart. So gutter ball. Okay. Which one was the club? Do you remember the jack or the three? The the three of clubs. Okay. All right. And uh, it's on us. Yes. Um, I think this would be a check. Usually, right? I mean, could you? I don't know. Do you bet small and then fault for for value, charge them for a, for a draw? But I, I think mostly this is uh, in a heads up pot. I bet, but I think in a four way pot, I'm just um, checking and you know possibly giving up uh, depending on the action in the villain. I'm not ready to call down three streets here for yeah middle nine hundred dollars or anything. Don't want to be a hero, so I, I will make some exploitive folds depending on the table. Yeah. Um, but I well, so I think check is the play. I think so, I especially think so. With, obviously with so many opponents and we're out of position. Yeah, it's four way, and um, the other three players have position on me. Yeah. 
So I, um, I check, and the other three players check. Hmm. Okay. Sure, sure. And um, the turn is the five of spades. Okay. Now putting two spades out there. So I don't, um, I don't know if I like this decision or not. And this is, this is um, the button is this guy. This is this is going to be the main villain in the hand. And just to give you. Anytime I start talking about game flow, I'm probably, you can tell, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> but I, I would describe, he's like a 50 year old dude who had like, had the hoodie and um, just, I don't know, kind of cold eyes, was listening to the earbud. And I like, I immediately just recognize this person. I call him an egomaniac. Okay. Okay. You know, that's like the main way I can like right away, I spot him where there's, there's just like a lot of ego involved here. He wants to not just you know he he wants to win money the hard way and bluff and uh he likes you know but he had already like check raised me off a couple pots and um you know he was he uh he seemed decent i don't know if he's a winning player or not i mean i okay. i think i, I, think I, I know I think, what you're talking about i know what you're talking about yeah i, I think I, in, you like described an older, him quite well <laughs> an older guy who's probably like a successful lawyer really smart and then when he comes to the card room he's just in you know his relaxation quote is like going to war kind of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. but he's just, he's like a smart guy. He's going to make probably some big mistakes and big pots. And, but you know, he, he, if he ever leaves the casino losing, it's probably, he thinks, cause he, you know, he ran bad sort of guy. Yeah. Um, so I, de I decide to bet second pair here. I probably should still be in check call mode. Um, because I really thought there was a decent chance that, because I know I would do the same thing when it checks on the flop. I'm like, okay, no one has a jack. So I, if I button on the position, I might check. And then if anything gives me extra equity on the turn or maybe any card, I'm going to raise. So I kind of uh, induced with second pair here because I was expecting the raise, but it was, uh, so what happened, um, I bet only 60. And 60 into 170. Yeah. Um, and then the hijack and the cutoff fold and the button makes it 300. Button, by the way, had about 1,200 to start the hand. I had him covered. Okay. What'd you say? He made it 300? I went for 60 and he made 300. It's not, I shouldn't, it's not like a massive raise. It's, you know, appropriate to the size of the pot, I would say. Okay. Since I bet small, he could have even bet big. Um, but you, you were you were kind of half expecting him to do this, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if it's specific. Like I said, this is kind of me throwing the money in the pot, but I remember guy and saying, saying to myself, well, I can – I don't mind him putting a lot of money in when I have kind of marginal holdings. I'll let him go ahead and try to blast me off top pair weak kicker shit. You know what I mean? Like he, he's an ego guy. So if he senses weakness, and here he can appropriately sense weakness – um, he's going to raise probably, you know, not infrequently, but, um, yeah, I, I, at the time I was, uh, I, I don't know if it's like lucid thinking. I think this might've been three in the morning after an 18 shift, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of, um, expecting him to raise. And when he raised, I was definitely not folding. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay. I was, maybe I didn't get the, re the exact result here, but, um, so I call. Okay. And the river is the ace of diamonds which 
is a, well, I don't know. We'll have to discuss that. Um, if, if it's okay, a good so card or a bad card. 770 in the pot now. Um, I'm wondering, going back to the turn, I wonder if, um, I was thinking this might be a check. Um, it probably is in a four-way pot. Well, let's put it this way. Um, on the pre-flop razor, when I check the flop, what are the chances that any of them have Jack or better. When when everyone checks through on the flop, what's the the odds that they got Jack or better? Yeah, uh, I, I think I, I think there's n- nobody is going to in a three way pot, you know, with straight and gutter ball, you know, f- a couple straight draws out there. I think people are always betting um, top pair. I think nines and jacks frequently would have three bet pre. Yep. I agree. I'm just helping you as I my mind goes how I was ranging this as it went along. So when everybody checks back on the flop, I immediately. Yeah, I feel the same. I, I feel like there's there's uh, it's very rare that someone has a jack or a um, oops, you know, an over pair. I think they would have three bet you there. I think they would have three bet you with nines plus. Um, and uh, so nine, the betting the nine is for value here because no yeah. one has a jack. That that was that's my that's kind of my thought, and yeah. I can. I can get called by worse. You know, these are, you know, there's some weaker players there. They can call with ace five. You know what I mean? They might call mm-hmm. it. Um, so, well, let's range him when he raises there. Um, Jack nine, five, three with two spades. I think a lot of uh, ace, um, ace X of uh, spades uh, would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, spade draws. uh this guy's probably betting like queen 10 on the flop and 10, eight, but it's kind of nice that I didn't verbalize it, but um, I like that we have a 10, um, you know, the, the 10, nine here. Cause we block a lot of those. Uh, right. Um, a lot of those. Um, well, I, I was operating under the assumption that he's, I mean, like I said, he's a decent player. You want to build a pot here. If somehow you flopped a set of nines or threes. Yeah, like he's always he's always squeezing with the jacks. That's yeah. that I'm taking, or you know, ninety percent nines and threes. Is he betting him on the flop? I think mo- just mostly. Um, if he has jack nine suited, I think he's best. So when he bets that raises the turn, whether he realizes it or not, he's repping pocket fives. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Unless like because he had the button and he already paid for the button straddle. You know, like I said, there's an ego guy. So he might call with 5-3 suited. I mean, I might. 5-3 suited is not a bad hand. So I keep, there are a couple two-pair combos there when he, hit, when he hits two-pair on the turn. I mean, we don't know how wide he is pre. Um, but uh, like I said, I bet for value. Yeah. And um, I still felt pretty strongly I had the right hand, the, the, the better hand um, here. I didn't. So the ace comes on the river, and I check, and he shoves for $850. Yeah, he overbids. Now, what two pair does he have now here? Let's just try to think about what beats us here. Um, I don't think he has a jack. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he has a set unless it's exactly a set of fives. 
I don't yeah. think he has a lot of two pair here, but you know, I, I'm not going to say that never has two pair. He might just check back Jack nine because he wants to raise the turn. He might check back nines and threes too, because he wants to raise. So you can't really take all that out, but I thought, um, he's betting that a lot. So I thought it was a lot of just total air, but here's the other issue. Like you said, just ASEX, um, whether flush draw or maybe just some random ASEX. Does he do this with the ace on the end? A lot of people, the average casual player, this is a spot where they miss value. I see this all the time where they miss value. Yeah. yeah they hit, they yeah. hit their ace on the river and they're just so happy to suck out. They don't even bet. Yeah, they just check and they're they're happy to win the hand and they don't realize that they gotta got an extra three hundred bucks. Um so when he bets and I call it I mean if he's ranging me, it looks like I've got some one pair hand, which is certainly not aces. Um maybe I I mean I'm almost never betting ace king there, ace queen there. I mean it depends. You don't really know how other players think of you. Um so basically if he hits an ace on the river somehow, he has to think he's good. Yeah. But does he shove? I think he bets smaller. It, it, maybe he's really good. He does shove. And like, okay, this guy's never got ace-king. He's got a pair. He's not going to believe me. Um, that's a spot, too, where I might bet small or check. But it is a great spot to overbet shove if you somehow you have an ace. Yeah. Because it's just hard to put, you know, like I said, it'd be hard to put him on. Um, I could say, well, if he had a mission, you know, if he had the ace-high flush draw, he's just, he's not, he's not shoving here, you know. So that was, I took a while on this one. And um, that became, that was kind of a factor. I didn't think he was good enough to bet an ace on the river there. Yeah. Um, I, I really thought he would bet the flop with really strong hands. Like I, I thought he had some goofy ass two pairs there. Like maybe he had, maybe he had ace nine or for some reason turned ace three or ace five on the turn into a, a raise which I actually kind of like rather than trying to be hero down with second or third pair, turn it into bluff, you know, yeah. big. I do that all the time. So I thought there were some two pair combos, um, but I thought there was no one pair hand he had there. I think this is pretty relevant. It's either, it's either just, if he never has or, an ace. Uh, if he never has an ace and he's almost all the two pair plus combos, at least on the flop, it's like he's, he's almost repping just the one fucking hand here, man. Like maybe two, four of spades or, gets there with a straight or something or he's repping pocket fives I actually yeah. talked to alex about this and he's like jesus is, does this guy realize he's repping just one hand i mean it's kind of what he was yeah so i took my time but i thought it was a pretty easy call and uh i called and he uh he had king ten of spades okay he picked up the uh he had the gutter ball and he picked up the flush draw and um I, I I don't mind how he played it. I thought it was okay. I mean, uh, well, I don't. I I think probably he actually, if he's playing with three other pros or how he's thinking of of things. Like I said, he's an egomaniac. He thinks he's just smarter than everyone else. So he's probably not. He just knows he's putting pressure on people. He's not probably at the level of well, what am I repping right here? Kind of thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So he was just gonna. So, yeah, I, like, I think he's just supposed to flat the, the turn when he can just be happy he picked up equity. I would if think he, so. Because if, if he raises here, I mean, but, his, you know, he knows I'm not super strong, so maybe I'm not going to. Uh, but, you know, if I think I'm good, I'm, you know, even, even with my short bankroll, Steve, I do, I do call. 
So, uh, yeah, I was going to. Nice call, dude. That, uh, um, and the funny thing, when I called, I turned and, uh, I said, do you have a set? Mm-hmm. He's like, after the hands, like, what do you, what a fucking set? He's like, you all, all I need is a Jack to beat you. I'm like, yeah, but you know, I didn't, I didn't really get into it. I'm like, but you're not betting a Jack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got, got two pair hands and you're not betting in one hair hand. So you got, you know, you either play the nines and threes kind of casually or you just um you know softly in the flop to to, to chat trap or or you somehow hit a five on the turn so uh i'm sure some gto people could break this down and analyze and be saying like well if this is this is why you have to bet your ace on the river or this is why you can't raise the turn and the, you know there's probably a those people at a higher level could uh, analyze it but anyways I, I think i looked through this one pretty nice call dude nice call decent. At um, yeah, I guess uh, yeah, you're right. He's either got uh, air there or he's got uh, he's got a set, and that's a, that's about it. And there's a lot more air. Yeah, like I said, this was my read at the time. Uh, I mean, this is how I analyzed it at the time, and I happen to be right. I mean, I might, uh, like I said, maybe. I just don't. Yeah, maybe a few people are got a few more check. I, you know, I never in position. I mean, how often are you, you going to check a set there in the four-way pot? I think it's, for me, it's probably zero. Yeah, like almost never. Maybe unlike, you know, if it was a three-bet pot and I three people call me and it was like king, eight, four. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where there's not even, there's only, there's not, or king, eight, deuce, where there's not even one flush straight draw out there. Yeah, but the, like everyone has 10, eight and everyone has a queen. 10 Somebody's got eight. king, queen. Someone's got, yeah, there's probably like three. You're probably like, even if you flop top set here against three other players, you're probably dodging, you know, eight plus outs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a lot of, of which a lot of them will call you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Backdoor, you know, yeah. You're charging them for the, the two overs with the backdoor flush and everything else. So, um, yeah, I just thought, you know, he's. Some guys might be trappy there, but this guy knows that he should be betting his monster hands, and he didn't, you know, he didn't bet the flop. So, right on, nice call, dude. Nice call. Thank you, man. Um, where's the other hand I wanted to do here? I thought would be interesting. I know we had fun once we did this before, where I will let you play my my opponent, and I will not. You were playing against me, and I will not tell you what I have. Oh, okay, yes. Let's does that do sound like does that sound like fun, Steve? That sounds like fun. Uh, let me again try to, I have to look that this was, I do remember this was like five in the morning and there was like five of us playing and the main villain here is a poker pro, uh, for sure. I haven't played much with him, but he's definitely, and, um, funny thing I get, I was getting respect. He, he, he gave around when I actually, he saw me, this was the same session. He saw me call with the 10, nine. He's like, Whoa, how'd you know? And I was, yeah, it's weird. Okay. But, um, I yeah this is well this is how he booked I have it as five handed on my I'm I'm remembering it being four handed but I have it as five handed here this guy is directly to my right and has um, like thirteen hundred dollars I'm on the button he is on the cutoff okay or I should say let's just you have ace five of clubs with thirteen hundred dollars in the cutoff ace five of clubs. Thirteen hundred bucks in the cutoff, and and we're five five, right? And I have twenty two hundred. Okay, Mikey has twenty two hundred. Okay, and the, the straddle's on. There's three, so I'm on the button, but the small blind, big blind, and the under the gun with the ten. 
Okay. Um, so it, it folds to me in the cutoff? Yes, with ace five of clubs. Okay. Uh, He's probably going to play every single street, do everything different than you, but, you know, just to get you in his seat because he – he has some. Okay. <laughs> he has some. He has some interesting decisions to make in the hand. Let's put it that way. Okay. Cool. All right. So it folds to me, and uh, you said uh, this is five five, and then the button is straddling. So you're straddling. No, the under the gun straddling. No, oh, under the gun straddling. Okay. All right. So I'm first act then. Um, yeah, I'll make it. Uh, I don't know, probably forty here. Um. I can't remember if I typed this in wrong. This was like a week and a half ago. I, I think, but I think we were all, he was raising big, okay. which is smart. Anytime you're in the cutoff or, cause there's, there was a couple of weak guys. there were just calling everything. You know what okay. I mean? Just, so yeah. just charge them for it. And they're, they're playing. If you, especially if you're playing fairly strong range. So he slash you bet 60 here. No. Oh, all right. Make it Probably 60. cause he's, you know, um, yeah. Cause he's going to get called by five, four diamonds or something. Uh, Yeah. And um, I call on the button, and the other three players fold. Okay. So we got uh, 60 plus uh, 60, 60, 120 plus another 10 and 5 and 5. So that would be um, 140. 140 in the pot. And the flop is 663 with two spades. Okay, six six three with two spades, and I have the ace of clubs, five of clubs. Yes. Okay, and Mike's behind me. Uh, all right. When you just go, I mean, here's here again, Steve. I, I'm always lamenting my own, you know. I, I have ways of dealing with my own ignorance now that I just don't do. This is this would be one where you run into the do a comprehensive range analysis and run through PO solver and I mean there's way to know like what cans are you supposed to be C betting here? I don't know. Um I don't even know the answer. Pairs, you know, total air, I'm not sure. Um so how you construct a range there is but as a default, um I feel like I should be betting here. And um, if there was like a club out there, then uh, I might be a little bit more likely to check. Um, but um, I don't know. I think you have a lot of uh, king, queens, jack highs. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I might you're have a uh, fair party ring. I mean, um, well, I guess it'd be how you perceive. I mean, what if you get, what if, what's your plan with the, if you bet ace five and you get called here, what are you, are you shutting it down unless you get an ace or are you going to be barreling some big cards in the turn and putting me on a middle pair? I mean, what is, what, what looking ahead, what is your, your C bet here? What is, what's the, what, what's the plan moving forward? If you think I got a lot of, um, I mean, are are you really calling there if I bet, uh, uh, into 140, if I bet 80, are you calling with King Jack? Uh, well, that's, this is for you to decide, Stephen. Well, well, let's just I'll, – I'll give the action here, like what specifically you're supposed to be. Um, I'm trying to think in that spot against like a pro, the other good player at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be giving up here a fair amount. I would think so. Uh, so I don't know if this is a give up hand or not or bet real small. And then if you want to, you know, just see what happens. 
Uh, anyways, this guy bets 80. Okay. And the man on the button, who may or may not be a lunatic, uh, raises to raises small to just 200. Rampages makes it. What did you say? 200? 200. 200. Okay. Uh, I would fold at this point, but I got a feeling that's not what this guy does. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there's four. The, the price is, I mean, again, ranging me. What do I bet so small with? I mean, this is a really small rate. You only have to put 120 in. The pot is 420. Yeah. Um, I would think uh, you're going to be doing this with like pairs, um, probably fours, fives. Why? Why would you? Why would you think? Um, that I'd be raising pocket nines here or something. Wouldn't I? Because I, I wouldn't want to be black because I'd have, I'd probably have to fold if you shove. Um, I, I would think you would three bet nines here. Right. But I'm just saying if with this raise, like how many one, how many single pair hands usually from the villain's perspective, this is when you, this raise is sometimes it's just total crap trying to put the, just, thinking the guy's c-betting too much yeah i mean I, I, you know personally i'm probably raised here a fair amount with stuff i'm not supposed to be raising with um but usually in the average situation when someone's raising on this they're saying they usually have a six pocket threes or a flush draw yeah a lot of people i mean it, it depends here you might someone with some might I mean, like i said it depends but very few people on the button here are, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I guess if for some reason you didn't three bet nines, this would be a good spot to. Oh, this would be a great spot to do it. Yeah. Or this would be just a great spot to see where you're at. I don't know if that's your thing. If you want to call down, if you, you know, you raise and then this guy either gives up or you've taken control of the hand. So you don't have to face, you don't have to face a $280 bet on the turn. On my the turn yeah. If you just raise now with sevens or eights. You know what yeah. I mean? This guy just flats here. But on the other hand, um, see what I'm thinking. You you could have in this spot is I'm thinking you could have when when I make it eighty, you make it two hundred. I'm thinking you could have um, well, like you said, a six, threes, um, fours or fives, sixes, possibly sevens. But I I, I just can't imagine you. So if you were me, betting if you with were, eights plus there, so well, I'm kinda, you, I'm taking like eights plus out of your range. Um, so why would you raise with pocket fives, not and just flat with sevens? I'm confused. Why? Oh, you're thinking sevens? I raise pre. You're you're, you're thinking if I no, have no, a no, pair, no. I'm, t- I'm saying uh, I'm saying you raise with the uh, sevens uh, on the on the flop. Okay, but fours or fives, you think I flat with flat here? Uh, I think you'd raise with those. Is it, I, from why would your perspective, with, what, what, I'm probably betting all over cards, right? Well, Steve, let's just say you are on the button right now. The guy C bets for 80 and you have fours or fives. You would actually, you would be raising there. I think so. Would I be raising that? Maybe you're right. Maybe I would just be flatting. Um, I mean, if we think the, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you. I think the vast majority of the time we're ahead there with, with a pair on a board like this, six, six, three. Right, but why are you? What do you? If you, if if you were to raise and you got re-raised, then you got to fold. 
the pro you're going against realizes, wait a second, what the fuck's he raising with? He either has a six or a flush drive willing to go with and everything else. He's kind of got to fold because he's got, he didn't, he would have three bet the big, big pairs probably, you know? Yeah. Um, this might be like a hand that's more interesting to discuss after just so we can discuss what, what me and him were thinking about. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but I make I'm it. I'm raining on the parade here, huh, sir? <laughs> okay. So I have raised this 200 and this player is a non-believer mm-hmm. and he calls. Okay. So, so now we got uh, 540 in the middle? 540 in the pot. Okay. And the turn is the two of clubs. Okay. Six, six, three deuce is the board. Okay. And and the other six was not a club, right? So there's not two clubs up there now. There's two spades, yeah. Okay. All right. And, um, well, we got a um, we got a gut shot. You picked up equity. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, your plan is, is always to check and evaluate here, or are you ever – um, leading, like pretending you were, I mean, the, the lead would make no sense. I think from my perspective, it's like, what, what could you possibly do in that unless you somehow had six X? But um, from my perspective, I mean, just as this goes down here, I'm not going to say what my hand was. When you call the raise here, you usually have an overpair. I and, think so. Or, or ace king. Yeah. Or ace king with a spade. Yeah. I don't think you're play- – so I would not be putting too many ace highs in your range, maybe, necessarily. I don't know. But, again, the, uh, my bet is very, is very strange here why to go so small because you're getting called so frequently. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't remember the specific – I think I might have been uh, – well, well, let's just go on to what happens this hand. So – you check, which I think you agree is the, is the is the thing to do. Yeah, even with an overpair and everything, just check and uh, let you uh, let you bet it. And I take a while and then check behind. Okay. Which, from the villain's perspective, is a very strange check. How long Probably. did you take? Like. Five oh, I don't know. Like 20. Oh, like 20 cents seconds is a long time here. Okay. Yeah, like, like 20 probably. Okay. But um, So when I check behind, what are you now ranging me at? If for some reason I did what you suggested, which is to raise fours or fives, then I would probably be checking back now because mm-hmm. I just picked up some free equity with the straight draw. Yeah, uh, and I might, be, I might be good anyways, and I can bluff catch on the river if necessary. But I'm, he's, you know, um. So got, original uh, eleven hundred effective, something like that. Uh, no less than that, like a grand effective. But from your perspective, usually the things that I was repping, I'm I'm gonna have to like proceed with my story of the six here. I'm usually. Well, I mean, I don't know how you, you would think of it or, you know, this whole session or how what he's thinking. But usually if I have a six, you know, why would I slow down? I should be trying to get stacks in there. And it, it and I'm hoping that you have like tens, jacks, queens kind of hand. Exactly. An overpair. So when I check, um, do you think I'm just kind of giving up with the flush draw? Do you think my raise was 
Like it could be something totally random, like sevens, where I was kind of raising to see where I'm at just to get, just to make sure I didn't have to put money on the turn card. Um, I, I, think I would think uh, flush draws. Would you check a flush draw there? I, I mean, I, I personally probably have done that spot where I've raised with a flush draw on the flop. Yeah. But then have just not done what technically you're supposed to do, which is just to keep barreling with it just because. Yeah, it's, 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 kind of a, the, it's kind of a neat spot because you can raise small there and then you get to the river, you know? Yeah. Um, you get to see both cards basically for a small raise and and, and, and play accordingly. Right. Um, so as you as you view my range, that's one possible thing. I have a marginal hand. I'm gonna, I mean, could, I could also, if I had quad sixes, I'm probably raising very small or flatting the flop. I suppose you could have four or five or something, but uh, we block that, so that's less likely. Um, uh, My small bet size, though, usually um, if someone has a draw, they are going to bet a little bit bigger there. So yeah. I would, you know, but um, I think the one thing, just saying this is a smart player, is that I never have a six here. When you check the turn. Uh, well, or you're saying even on the flop, this was, this was, we we discussed the hand liability. He's like, you never have a six there. And I was like, well, if he's right, then I got to change my game a little bit. And you do actually have to have the six there. Um, you do have to check a six, but I, I don't think so. I think you just, at this point, you're just, I'm probably blasting off with, um, with a six very frequently, or at least this is what he was thinking. And I'm sure you'd be thinking the same thing. It's like, wait, why is he shutting down here? It, yeah. this, it's a dumb one-ass bluff, and now he's, he's giving up. Is it a marginal hand? Um, so if you had to guess my f- few hands, what, what, what are your guesses here? Uh, I'm going to stick with fours, fives, sevens, flush okay. draws. As long as you took, I might think that you still have a six. Um, so I might disagree with him on that. Um, but, um, we do go to the river or, or, or even like a boat already. Uh, right. But the, 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 again, this is okay. We'll just, we'll just go to the river action here. The okay. river is the two of hearts. So okay. six, six, three, deuce, deuce. Okay. Uh, what the hell am I doing here? You probably check calling depending on your sizing. I mean, at uh, yeah, we we're still beating all your draws except for um, yeah. Well, let's it. You, you, it, your what would be the are there any arguments for betting here? Hmm. Well, what are you going to call with that? Uh... Oh, you're saying betting is a bluff, not as a value bet. Well, um, I mean, yeah, I would think I would think that's where you do it, unless you had some stone cold soul read on me, of course, where you're betting to induce and call the person with the ace because you think they have too many misflushes and other shit in a range. Well, that's a good point. That would be like higher level stuff. Most people, I think, um are probably in check call. You could also be betting 
to push it off a chop, you know, or, you uh, know. that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I would think, um, again, you have to think about how their plays the rain. If you had queen, what would you do? If, would you if I had be Queens? Is that what you said? Yeah. Rather than ace five, if you, you would probably, obviously if someone raises small on the flop, you wouldn't just say, okay, fuck it. I'm shoving my Queens. You'd probably just call and let the person barrel off. Right. Yeah. Mostly. So if you did have Queens and I checked back on the turn, would you bet for value on the river here? I guess the question is, yeah. right away you have to think, if you think I'm capable of, if I'm going to be shoving here, you have to be, well, is this, am I, do I have to check call? Can I not fold the Queens? This is why people just misvalue just all the time, and I see it so frequently now. Is I would, I would think just to, to, bet, there, bet, to like, bet fold to bet fold the bet for value on the river and fold is just a nightmare for casual players. They just can't do it without just being just outraged. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. a lot of people are just going to bet queens here and just be oh you don't have a six good, where yeah. you know you could bet and then fold to a lot of villains kind of thing where. Um, so if you had queens here, uh, I think it'd be a mistake for you not to bet as the hand's been played. I, I, I would think I'd throw up 220 minimum, maybe three. What am I getting called by? I guess I'm getting called by sevens, fours, five. And the game theory, um, opt- yeah, the game theory optimal people will say exactly, you know, because I'm saying, well, you don't have queens, but if you wanted to rep queens and get me to fold fours, fives, sevens, and eights. You put me on those possible hands. Yeah. So if, the, if you saw me, if you knew for a fact that I had pocket fours, what would you do? Would, you think, you, would you think just on this board, the way the hand's played, he's never folding, I'll just check and give up? Or would you be like, you know what? This player, when I bet here, is going to put me on nine checks, nine, ten, jack, queen, an overpair because – uh, that's what I'm supposed to. That's really kind of the biggest part of your range here is over pairs. We're talking about from my perspective. I, I don't know what you yeah. have here at this point. You should have mostly over pairs. I agree. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, it just seems. Well, that's a good point. So now, Maybe do like- you want? But you don't have an over. You don't have an over pair. But you're um you you still think you're you're ahead of few hands that I have right, which is the flush draws. Yeah, the flush draws. Um, I think this is a really bad mistake by this player. I could be wrong. Um, that he bets three fifty. Okay. And um, but uh, again, this would not be for value. This is this is obviously a bluff on his part. Hmm. Bet three fifty, and um, like I said, th- this was this gets is relevant. But I would think jacks or queens would be thinking this other player is folding a lot, and I have to bet small to get anything. To yeah, get like two two twenty to be like getting. That. Yeah, to get his four five sevens and eights to call. I would yeah. want to be. I would want to bet smaller for value. So this guy bets three fifty though. Um. And I won't even tell you my hand. I'll tell you exactly what I was thinking. I, I, I will just play it. I, I, I shove. Okay. So I, I just, I take a little while and, you know, I look 
kind of confident. I don't know, but I, I can't, I don't, I don't know how I, how I did exactly. But, um, and so I shove and you have only $715 left. Right now you're pissed at yourself because you bet so much, first yeah. of all. <laughs> because you're getting a price to, to catch the, the bluff catch here. You're getting such a pretty sick price for it. I mean, you've got to pay seven fifteen to win a pot of uh, 2500 So basically, if you think I'm bluffing, if you think you're good even just 35% of the time here or something, you're... You're good, yeah. So what do I have? I mean, what do you – basically, we didn't think – you don't think I had a six on the turn. And, I, like, I, I, nev- I ne- should never have a deuce unless it's ace-deuce of spades. I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, I mean, it's just – it's one hand combination, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's a plausible way. Um, that's, a, that's a possibility. If you um, think uh, – again, if you think – again, this would be how you – would be viewing me too though you're like is this guy good enough to bet a deuce here like a lot of guys with just a deuce here are just calling oh maybe he's trapped me with the sixes but like no, no, I, no, no, no. I might you, i you might raise the deuce there i think uh if i putting if if i'm putting you on an overpair then if 90 percent of your range is overpairs then yeah, yeah you, you gotta shove a deuce there yeah. um no, I thought you said um, you can't. You can't shove a deuce there. See, yeah, um, I, I, I don't think. Uh, um, I think a six could be in your range. Um, the way you described it, as long as you took on the turn, um, I think you could have a six there. That could be wrong. I mean, you know, I don't. I'm just make believing your uh, your range here. But uh, um, I think you could have a six there. Something like five, six, six, seven. Um, would you call a six on the button there? A six suited with the? Uh, I think you'd fold that, right? Or would you three bet it? Free flop. Um, I might flat a six suited, but uh, three better fold a six off. I'm probably okay. just. I don't think my. I I I don't think I have that much crap in my range. I well, you know, six eight suited, six nine suited, six four. Yeah, no, there's a lot of sixes in my range. I have right. sixes. Um, but your analysis on the turn was I'm never, I'm always going through, I'm always blast trying to get the chips in with the six here. So I have to bet the turn really to do that. Yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. Your, your, your read going into the river was that much, right? We, we, we kind of, we didn't necessarily know if he had the best hand, but, um, we, we did not put him on a monster. Yeah. But like I said, you can't, you can't dismiss that possibility. Um, so what do you do? I mean, if the, the problem is of course too, if you, do you think I'm good enough or is this something I would do? I mean, this is the kind of thing that happens at higher level games. Yeah. I'm kind of, I kind of am capable of doing it. Range versus range where the two players are supposed to be. This is terrible thinking usually at a two, five, five game, but this would happen all the time in a, Five ten game here, where if I had fours or fives on the button, or if some other pro, they might decide to turn that into a bluff here to get yeah. the person to fold nines, tens, jacks, queens. Yeah. Um. So do you? Well, I probably would have checked the river. 
Uh, but yes. as played, uh, betting 350, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fold. He takes about the longest time I've ever seen someone fucking tank. Five minutes, you know. I, I didn't call for it because I knew he was really thinking. I'm going yeah. through every permutation, every hand, and I'm like, um, and his obviously read was, uh, well, I'll just tell you, I, he called, I had King Jack of Hearts. Ooh, okay. So I had absolutely nothing, and he decided I was. Now, it would have been a brilliant move if he was trying to actually induce me to do this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that he did, I told him afterwards, I'm like, your bet is terrible if you don't, if you weren't planning on bet folding. I mean, yeah. if, your plan should have been, been bet folding or bet calling. Yeah. Um, or check calling. Yeah. Or yeah, that, those were the best options really check call or check fold, I think. Um, or like, like we said, bet kind of a medium bet that looks like jacks or Queens trying to squeeze a little value and maybe, for some reason but like i disagree with your analysis that i'm raising fours and fives and sevens there i don't think very often those kind of pairs so i'm just okay you're not raising those on that flop i i don't yeah i i can I'm, you would just struggling, call them? I'm struggling to see a reason for why you would be raising the the, the you're raising, for, like you're raising for protection? Spot, he's going to be uh betting like all his broadways he's going to be betting um um right you know, then why the why I get him to fold, make him bet again. I mean, I mean, if the, oh, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're protecting our equity, but if if he has king queen here, you know, he's only got six outs on us. You yeah, know, we're, we 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 don't we don't mind him. Um, yeah, to getting a shot to blast again. I you know I don't know. Um, I just think he can take all those. This is why it was a good call. I'm saying he can. I'm not betting any single pair, raising any single any hands there. I'm raising a flush draw, which missed, or a six, which missed. A six, which missed? Well, I mean, I'm betting a six. I don't have a six. I'm saying I either, I either raise with a flush draw or a six, and he's saying I'll never play a six this way. Uh, okay. It turns out I got neither of them. I got, he, I'm sure he factored that in just crazy. Ass. Now, as it turned out, we both kind of played everything terrible. But we both made some courageous moves at the end there. I think punting is interesting. Because my read was like, if this guy bets 200, 250, he's got jacks or queens. He's betting for value. Yeah. If he bets big, he has absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I, st- and I still have fold equity. So, yeah. Kind of just trying to, I was going to, you know, like I didn't follow through with my, I was just going to bet raise small in the turn and then maybe um, bomb, the, I mean, bet small on the, f- on the uh, it's something I do quite a bit is we'll bet small on flops, but raise big on turns, you know, or bet big on turns. Um, yeah, I guess that was my. I was just trying to steal it. I I just thought that he's a guy who oversees bets, which he did. Yeah, which he does. You know what I mean? And I'll just and yeah, I'm not really repping much here, but it wouldn't matter. So, but on the turn, I'm like, okay, he actually has. He probably would have folded all his ASEX, even though he's getting a good price. Um, I don't think he's going to stick around. Just you know. So I thought he, on the turn, I was just giving up because I thought he had a, uh, some sort of pair or you had a pair, but then you bet the river big. I'm like, wait a second. This seems strange. So I shoved. And like I said, it'd be ingenious if the guy knew he was going to call, but uh, he, no, he had to take some think about it. But afterwards he's like, what was I doing? Even betting the river. You know what I mean? It put him in a ridiculous spot. Yeah. 
And um, he figured it out, and, uh, you know, I guess congrats to him. He made a good call. Um, that is a pretty tough call. It, um, Yeah, I, I, I would have checked the river um, and then decided <laughs> at the time, you know, depending on your size and timing, I guess, like uh, whether I'm going to call or not. Um, but uh, I wouldn't have. Yeah, I, I thought I, well, the more time he took, I, I kind of knew he was going to, he was going to figure it out. Um, like I said, I, I, I really thought I had him here. I thought I just made a great move at the time. I was very proud of myself for thinking about his bet sizing and his, his whole range and everything else. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have a pair. Maybe he had the flush draw. Yeah. Or, or maybe he's extremely turning. And I didn't even think he had ace high here. Really? I, I thought he had, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what, no, I knew he had, sometimes he had ace high, but like his, his bet sizing just, I didn't even try to trade, break it down in a specific hand. I'm like, well, okay. He's, um, I mean, he could bet aces or kings big there, I guess. But um, anyways, so we both played, did a lot of stupid shit in that hand. My king jack suited is probably just not a hand people raise on that flop. Or if they are, they're, they're, if they are, they're going to proceed on the turn. And uh, I think a lot of people would not like his C-bet and maybe not like him calling the raise and certainly not like his river bet unless he was trying to, unless he really had me... I mean, I've seen people do that, certainly. Bet ace high or bet some really, like, fourth pair on the river just because they know the guy will think you're weak and make a move kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that that really wasn't. So we both kind of didn't really play this. So this when I say pros going, this wasn't, like, poker superstars battling it out, but, you know, two guys who, who are grinders who, you know, make a living playing poker. Well, but, you're, uh, you're, you're a level above me, man. So that was, uh, um, I, I kind of like three levels below. I don't know. At, uh, the play yeah. would have worked. It was a bad opponent, I guess, especially when, you know, I was hoping also it's two in the morning. He was just like frustrated, thrown in the muck. And once he started taking time, I'm like, Oh, fuck. he knows the question is, you know, and every, everybody discussed this was like, kind of liked my reasoning for shoving the river. So mm-hmm. that was like the one, but they said, you know, when you when you check back turn, you're just repping absolutely nothing on the river here, because yeah. on the turn you're just you're going to be betting you're you're going to be betting hoping the guy has no repair and he just can't fold. Yeah, you're always yeah. going to be trying to get stacks in here, which um is very hard to do if you check back the turn. So yeah, I was I was repping almost nothing, and uh, the guy called. The funny thing, he should be happy. He was just staring me down for like, dude, you're a sicko. But he was like, I don't know if he was angry or slash half impressed with my game, but you know. <laughs> Rampage, living up to your name. Uh yeah, I gave it away there. I don't know, Steve. I, I do that sometimes. I thought it was I thought it was a couple interesting spots just for people had some big river decisions to make. Yeah, it was. It wasn't just your, you know, aces versus kings and you know, how do I get the guy to call with my quads or you know what I mean? So I thought I thought it was a couple of decent hands to discuss. Right on. And I'm also trying not to discuss my personal life as much, Steve. So therefore, yes, we should we should have waste, uh, waited an hour maybe to uh, start this interview because now the the edibles have kicked in. <laughs> They're going strong. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm really loosening up here, Steve. I I really want to open up now more, but I'm sure uh, you've already been talking to me for an hour and a half. I'm sure you've had enough. <laughs> We've almost gone for two hours today. What the hell have we talked about? I don't even know. I, I know. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, yeah, we're approaching an hour and 45 minutes here. What's, what's going on? 
This is uh... <laughs> have I um have I asked you this question before? I was actually thinking about this the other day, but now it's even interesting with you knowing how to chop trees down. Well, that, that was for work. Not have you ever like started some journey to I want to master this, I want to learn about this, and then you just like gave up, like either well this is stupid or it's too hard. I mean, this this is your title. You're really your entire entire ninja samurai code is you know self improvement and working hard and achieving your goals, right? I mean, is that fair to say? Oh, there's a lot of stuff that I've done that that uh, you know I thought I was all into, and then once I um, what's a good example here? Um, yeah, I kind of approach it like you know, as long as I'm having fun, then I continue doing it. Uh, but if I start doing something and this is just not enjoyable to me at all, then I give it up. And uh, one of those that, that's coming to mind right now while I'm thinking about it is uh, martial arts. I did martial okay. arts about two years. And uh, the last six months or so, I got into uh, the sparring. And uh, I'm glad I did it. But, um, you know... Once you really start punching and kicking each other, I mean that it hurts. <laughs> you, right. know, you get bloody noses and you just you know black eyes and and uh, you know Picture I got knocked Steve out a couple training. of times and and it uh, it just wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. <laughs> like you know, I'm picturing <laughs> you, like you after after a year but, and a half of training, you get punched for the first time and it's like you know literally like the light bulb going off and like the cartoon. <laughs> we are training to hurt each other here. <laughs> Well, I'm sure probably, um, yeah, some of the other reasons people stay. I mean, there is like the, ma- you don't have like the macho need ego, prove, prove yourself kind of shit. You know what I mean? No, that's, no, no. That's a, a lot for no. a lot of men. Uh, well, a lot of guys like the competition, the exercise, and obviously a lot of that stuff. But I think there's a certain psychology too for probably a lot of the people who, you know. There was one thing that I learned from that, and that is you have absolutely no idea who really knows how to fight. Because I uh, I fought some guys that um, just looking at them, if I saw them out on the street or at a bar, I'd be like, this guy doesn't know how to handle himself. Uh, but they did. I mean, one of them was a 60-year-old man that like comes in, came in walking slow and wearing glasses. And then as soon as you started sparring with him, like, uh, that man, he could kick my ass. And I was like right. 30 at the time. You'd never know it. As soon as sure. he got suited up, man, he was lightning fast. Um, he had a bunch of combinations that uh, you just never know. Um, like you never know who knows how to fight, you know. It, um, but it did give me a lot of confidence. I remember um, when I was kind of in the uh, uh, towards the end of that, I went out to Thailand and uh, I fought a, a legitimate uh, Thai boxer. I got my ass kicked. <laughs> Wait, is this even is this a real story? <laughs> but I had the confidence to be able to get in there and do it. You know, um, was this like at a bar? Like this is at wanna... a bar. It was uh, it, maybe some of the listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. But there's uh, they they set up a boxing ring uh, in the middle of a bar as like a form of entertainment. You know, because you can do that when you get outside of the U.S. And uh, no one would fight me. Uh, you know, none of the um, uh, none of the guys in the audience would fight me. So then this, this Thai guy was like, okay, I'll fight you. And I'm like, all right, cool. So at least we can put on a show here. And then the music comes on and he starts doing this dance. And then my buddy Joe tells me, he's like, 
dude, you're about to fight like a real Thai boxer. And I'm like, Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> like he's not even putting on the headgear. <laughs> like I'm about to get my ass kicked. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he the the first round we went three rounds. The first round we just kind of traded uh, back and forth. The second round he started to turn it up, and then by the third round he just completely started to kick my ass. And uh, uh, right at the end, um, it was. Uh, by the third round, I was like, okay, I got to step up my game here. And I, I landed a pretty good one right on his face. And it was, it was like a freaking movie, you know? I mean, like I, I, I gave him everything I got and all I did was piss him off because it, it, you know, it connected right. Right. Good. And his head just kind of turned to the side and then went straight back to me. And then I saw his eyes turn red and I'm like, oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> And right after that, he lit me up and then he pulled this uppercut. I, I was, I had my hands up in front of my face, you know, just trying to block everything that was coming at me. And, uh, and then my hands were going down because, uh, you know, I was starting to, uh, to, you know, the screen was getting smaller and I'm just getting tagged. And, uh, and then just right at the end, he pulls this uppercut and he stops his fist just, you know, half an inch from my face where he could have just completely decleated me and knocked me out. And then uh, right when he did that, then the guy that was on the bell, he rang the bell so that it would be over. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. Okay. I'm, defi- I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely high now. This is just amazing, Steve. I mean, every time I think, see, this is not what I meant by giving up on something. You became fucking good enough to fucking step in a step in a ring man i mean you know how to throw a punch and you must have been in pretty good shape you go three rounds while you're punching well it it was i wouldn't say it was i i had a level of confidence that i shouldn't have had at the time and it i don't know if you got into it because you thought you're going to be a the champion tie boxer though. I mean, my, my point is that you did it for a while and you get, became good at it. Right. Or at least decent. Uh, I, I guess proficient. Well, maybe that was a bad example. I don't know. There's some things like I've taken a, uh, I took an online class on how to start, um, uh, start your own business. And um, I, I went through the whole class and, and studied the stuff and then I just never followed through and it, it just didn't interest me. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, he talked well, maybe in a sense, I've kind of taken some of the stuff I've learned from that and applied it to this podcast. Um, I don't know. There's there's shit all the time that I that I kind of uh, well, you know, like the, the you you decided pretty quickly the Amazon thing just was not yeah it was it was too little, but you you proved you you did it very well, Steve. You right away you were doing it you were doing it uh, optimally, really. Yeah, like finding yeah, the cheapest so. stuff that sells for the most and. Um, so you're successful at it. So this is, I, I, I would really like looking for failure, something that's frustrated you that, you know, that you, you just, um, but so the Amazon wasn't a failure. It's just, you decide you're going to put your energies elsewhere, but yeah, you, did, okay. you did, you did, you did it smartly, right? I mean, you're a success at that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, maybe, maybe with, with, uh, with women, I'm pretty good at getting girls. I'm not very good at keeping them at, uh, that's, that, that could be one area. Um, um, let's see. What's another one? I don't know, Steve. I'm not. I, I'm not trying to get you to. But you know, it's uh, some of these little exotic things you know how to do, like like tie box here, which I never <laughs> knew until seven minutes ago, which is fascinating to me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel. I feel like we're rambling now. We should. We should probably put a uh, put a bow on this one.
Steve, I never ramble. Shut the fuck up. But that's yeah, I'm ready to go. Anyways, I want to kick back and watch a watch a movie here. Right on, right on. All right, man. Okay, buddy. Well, well thank uh, you, sir. Uh, good luck at the tables, and um, yeah. All right, man. Talk to you Alrighty. later. Stay safe. Okay, and thank you for tuning in. Here is your weekly motivational speech. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Pain is temporary. It may last for a minute, or an hour, or a day, or even a year. But eventually, it will subside, and something else will take its place. If I quit, however, it will last forever. The margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves, they want to tell you you can't do it. Want something? Go get it. Period. Don't be afraid to fail. You can't always win, but don't be afraid of making decisions. You have to believe that something different can happen. He who says he can and he who says he can't are both usually right. Most of you say you want to be successful, but you don't want it bad. You just kind of want it. You don't want it badder than you want to party. You don't want it as much as you want to be cool. You, most of you don't want success as much as you want to sleep. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Deep down, dig deep down, ask yourselves, who do you want to be? Figuring out for yourselves what makes you happy, no matter how crazy it may sound to the people. Make a choice, like you just decide what it's going to be, who you're going to be, how you're going to do it. Just decide.